What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 323rd episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, with me on this lovely night, Will. And I am I am still in shock and at a loss for words at that final match at Pokemon Worlds, the Zoroark Garbodor mirror match, all <laughs> coming down to one Guzma. Amazing. I was really excited to see Mega Kangaskhan win the seventeenth uh, consecutive World Championship, <laughs> World Championship VGC game. Well, you got to hand it to Mega Kangaskhan. It's it's OP. Yep. <laughs> this episode will be coming out the day after the World Championships, but we are recording the day, not the day before. I guess like the day before World starts. World starts on Friday. It's Thursday night. We're recording this, so yeah. But the finals will be on Sunday. Yes, and the episode comes out on Monday, so this will be recorded, edited uh, before the even, before the weekend, because I will be traveling, but wanted to make sure we did not miss a Monday for you. This is a cool episode, too, because about a week ago, I interviewed Jeff Gerstman of GiantBomb.com, so that interview will be in the middle. So we got a little bit of Pokemon news. I know there will probably be some Pokemon news going into this weekend. There was already a little bit that we caught today that we're able to report on, but there might be something minor they announced at past world tournaments. They've announced stuff like Crabrawler or Mega Slowbro. Mega Slowbro, stuff like that. So nothing major, but still something for people to get excited for. So I'm assuming something. Possibly there will be a Pokemon Go event for worlds. We do know that you'll be able to download Meloetta, which is the third time in the uh, Americas that you can download this Meloetta. I have actually probably a couple people sent me their games. I offered, I don't know if you saw this, Will, but I offered to Crystal Backers for our Patreon. If they mailed me the games, I would take them in. And and if they mailed me the games, I would take them to Worlds. I would download Meloetta and I would mail them back as being one of our Crystal Tier Patreon backers. I didn't want to offer to anyone because that would be <laughs> a lot of games to keep track of and a lot of mailing I would have to do. Not that everyone would take you up on the offer, because you know Pokemon fans. I would probably be a little wary to send one of my games over. I mean, I did see this offer and said, well, dang, I only have digital copies. Yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah. Digital copies. I'll probably be taking Irene's DS. How many Meloettas do I need? I think I've got five. I'm on the hunt, (laughs) though. I'm on the hunt, though, for, like, Pokemon of different OTs. Right, because I mean, if that's your be if that's your deal, worlds. yeah. Well, that's the well. What happens when you get all the Pokemon after that? You kind of got to go for more rare stuff, right? I mean, then you get a full shiny living decks. Yeah, but then you got to keep going, and then after the shiny living <sighs> decks, it's like the shiny living decks plus different. Like you need both Hippowdowns, you need both Meowsticks, yeah. you need uh, both Blazikins. Even though I think the little booty hole, you can't really tell the difference between all all forms of Burmy. All forms of Vivlion. Shiny. 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 Well, well, both all, shiny, all shiny and non-shiny. We're madams. I've got a bunch of games here. I'm excited. I'm excited to go to Worlds. The last time I went to Worlds was 2011, Will. Which so that was, was seven years ago. Black and white. It's not always black and white. But your heart it, it, always well, yes. knows what's right. Yes. It's not... Whether you win or lose, it's the path you choose. Correct, and then no one remembers the third verse. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Uh, I think it's "Let Our Journey Begin." Maybe I don't remember. This is interesting because literally in 2011, 
yesterday. Mm-hmm. So today's the 23rd. 22nd of August, 2011, there was an earthquake in D.C. Really? Yeah. Huh. Last time I, they've, I've been in an earthquake as well was seven years ago. I'm just really hoping that we don't have another one take, <laughs> anytime take, soon. Yeah. Take me to memory lane. What was your last world? 2014? Uh, I think 2014 was when it was in D.C. And that's the my first and last and also... Uh, the first time I saw Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, because mm. that's where it premiered. Yep, that, that concert is dead. That's too bad, because that was a lot of fun. It was. But yeah, that's when uh, Seijun Park won oh, the VGCs. Pachirisu, right? Yeah. I got it, I got it. I mean, I, I, would, I would be going with you this weekend if I didn't have a mega work event <laughs> that yeah. I was responsible for that I have been planning for the past five months for <laughs> exactly this weekend as well. Well, sometimes it's a little bit earlier in August. Yeah. Yeah. But this time uh, a little bit later. So the episode, pretty straightforward. We got a little bit of news, of course, that, uh, and depends on how much we want to talk about it. Uh, we'll do, we'll throw the interview over to then what I recorded with Jeff. And then uh, Will will come back after the interview. We'll do Pokemon of the Week. That's pretty much the episode. Uh, the interview with Jeff, I think, is about 50 minutes. Uh, and it's very Pokemon. I We've done interviews in the past. Some of you like interviews. Some of you don't. It's very Pokemon related. Uh, and if you are a fan of Giant Bomb, you should probably like it. And if you're not a fan of Giant Bomb, I like Giant Bomb personally. I've talked about this before on podcasts I listen to. That's always a question when people ask, what do you listen to? Listen to giantbomb.com. Um, I, I do enjoy that program, but I prefer BeastCast. Yeah, they do have two podcasts. They got the BeastCast and the uh, BombCast. Yes. You're, I just find that, that it's all dudes on BombCast, which is just... I feel like that's your aesthetic. You, you know, occasionally <laughs> it is. And yet, sometimes I, I want a, a woman thrown in there. Okay. All right. I don't know. I'm also, you know, East Coast life, so prefer that east coast sensibility that they bring you can the relate cast. but i do listen to both for you know four hours a week <laughs> speaking of sensibilities we got some news here first bit of news is off bulba news niantic to crack down on rooting in pokemon go uh this was on august 23rd originally reported on ars technica but i'm just gonna do the short the short article off Bulba News, because we don't need to get too into it. Wait, but. we can shorten this. Is this just their way of saying that they're getting rid of Plusle and Minon? Yes. Minon, I'm sorry. <laughs> Minon. Uh, Niantic is to crack down on rooting in Pokemon Go by scanning Android phones for any root folders, names, and items, regardless of user permissions. Pokemon Go will not launch on an Android phone that has empty that has an empty folder named Ma- Magic's Manager on the SD card. Magic's Manager is a popular piece of rooting software. When the Android app checks for the file on the phone, the OS sends back an error for the file that doesn't exist because of the, pri- the permission settings. By monitoring this, Pokemon Go could scan the existing of a certain file, even when that permission uh, to access the, even if that doesn't have permission to access those files directly. That was all very technical, but I think it means that Pokemon Go is now invading my privacy. Yeah, there's a longer article on Ars Technica. Uh, when it, when rooting an Android phone, I guess, is kind of using uh, jailbreaking your iPhone. It's letting you have access to the files on your phone that usually you 
I don't, I don't want to say don't have, you shouldn't have access to because there's, you know, there's that, there's that debate of like, I own the phone so I can do whatever I want to it. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, tip, the, the, the name comes from the fact that, um, a root account on a computer or, well, technically a Android phone is a computer has access to all files, folders, systems, processes, everything that's happening on the phone. And for the majority of people, your user account on the phone is not a root account. So there are some areas that you're prohibited from accessing. And when you root an Android phone, it means that you have broken the phone so that you have a root account, which you, I mean, you shouldn't have because it's for your own good, friend. It keeps you from getting malware and viruses and all kinds of stuff. You're probably like, what is this? What, why do this? What does this do? Off Ars Technica, it says Pokemon Go has included a check for evidence that players are running a rooted Android phone. That's because rooted phones have the enhanced ability to run cheating software that sends false information to Pokemon Go servers, giving players an effective way to advance the game without actually playing. I'm not 100% sure what the cheating stuff is. I'm sure if you're deep into this or you've done this before or you're familiar in this ecosystem, you know. I would uh, assume is... What they were using these Android phones were for building those map websites of saying like, "There's a raid here, and this is the raid," or "There are Poco- there are Corsola spawning exactly in this location." I'm assuming that those were based off Android software or some sort of well, sure, but but also spoofing GPS is something you would have to root a phone to do because you have to access the GPS libraries and processes, which normally a user account would not have access to. And you'd also like run Android software off your computer, so I think you could still do it probably from that. But yeah, like spoofing your GPS and stuff. But like like anything, Pokemon Go is an unchanging, is an ever changing game. I think that's why a lot of people really like it, and you know, some people don't because it maybe getting rid of spoof, spoofing was the 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 straw on the camel's back of like, well, now I don't have fun with it anymore. All that straw on that camel's back. Mm-hmm. This is off GameRant.com. Pokemon Let's Go shows off Mega Evolutions, and uh, that's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we saw Venusaur, Blastoise, Charizard, and then recently we just saw in, it was off their official YouTube video, it was 37 seconds long, it was Mega Kangaskhan and Mega Gyarados. Mega Gyarados? Gyarados. No, no, knowing the Pokemon company, they'll show off like Mega B Drill at Worlds or something. Oh, like, that's also possible. Yeah, I would guess though. Like, if it's Mega, it's Mega, right? Does this? Do you think this can? I don't know. I don't know if there's actually. Here's the thing. I've heard some people go, "Oh, there's no held items or abilities or weather effects in Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee." And every time they say that, I always go, "Can you give me a source?" And then they never do. I know nothing has said that at all. Right. Not to, well. To be fair, I haven't looked to see if there was a source. Um, on that, I feel like it wouldn't have been that hard to find if there was an official source. But doesn't the fact that there are Mega Evolutions confirmed held items are a thing? Because they got to hold the specific Mega Stone. Uh, not necessarily. You. It might be like Ash and Greninja, and just your strong feelings communicate to the Pokemon or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know where people are getting that from. Was there some hot YouTube video going around that that wasn't a thing? I mean, there's a lot of YouTube videos that say a lot of things. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Whether, okay, so my follow-up question then is, 
if there is no held items, weather effects, abilities. You think that's going to ruin your enjoyment of the game? If they don't have held items, weather effects, or abilities? Well, original Gen 1 didn't have weather effects or abilities, so no. It's yeah. a Pokemon game. I'm going to walk around, I'm going to collect Pokemon and have a good time. What? <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, it's whatever to me, too. I don't really care that much. Do I like abilities? Sure, yeah, of course. Everybody I- knows that Kanto has no weather. It's always sunny. Always sunny in Kanto. No ups, no downs there. Uh, last bit of news here. This was announced this morning, August 23rd here, before we were recording. Twitch announces a massive Pokemon marathon featuring 936 TV episodes and 16 movies. 16. Were, there are 21 Pokemon movies currently. <laughs> 16 will be featured on Twitch. You will also, as a viewer, be able to collect Pokemon badges throughout the event. Um, Twitch has announced the most massive marathon yet. They've done marathons in the past. Um, they did a Doctor Who marathon. They did an SNL marathon. They're currently doing a uh, Korean drama marathon. Oh, which one? I have, I don't know, but I kind of got sucked in for about 20 minutes yesterday. Is it the Grand Chef? I, I don't know. Be Strong Gunsoon? I'm, you know, not sure. <laughs> Well, I wish you had known because those are some good K-dramas. Pokemon anime event that will feature 19 seasons, 16 movies, total of 20. uh, There is 20 seasons of the the anime, 21 seasons, and then 21 movies. In addition, viewers will be able to catch Pokemon alongside Ash and his friends. The event will feature an an interactive overlay that will allow participants to virtually collect Pokemon badges. Episodes and movies will be broadcast through the series marathons beginning on on August 27th, continuing into 2019. Pokemon badges, Pokemon-themed Twitch badges, not actual gym badges, will appear on screen throughout the Twitch extension overlay. Badges equal points, and players will compete for placement on the leaderboards over the course of the event. Our upcoming Pokemon series, The Viewing Event, which is a partnership with the Pokemon Company International, marks our most ambitious block of anime of animated to date in terms of duration content, said Jane Whedon, director of business development at Twitch, in a news release. The stream will kick off with the first season, Pokemon Indigo League, on August 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. All content will be broadcast on the Twitch Presents channel, where you can find the full schedule of the event. This will feature Indigo League, Adventures on the Orange Island, the Johto Journeys, Johto League Championships, Master Quest, Advance, Advanced Challenge, Advanced Battle, Battle Frontier, Diamond and Pearl, Diamond and Pearl Battle Dimensions, Diamond and Pearl Galactic Battles, (laughs) Diamond and Pearl Sinnoh League Victors, Black and White, Black and White Rival Destinies, Black and White Adventures in Unova and Beyond. Some would say it's not always Black and White, but the path. Uh, Pokemon, the series X and Y, Pokemon X and Y, Kalos Quest, Pokemon X, Y, Z. Movies here, this is... Ooh, uh, mm. Don't get me started on what movies got cut. Same movies that always get cut. Pokemon nope. the first movie. Pokemon the movie 2000. Pokemon the Pokemon 3, the movie. What? What? Come on, Polygon. Also, this article's off Polygon. It's called Curse of the Unown. Thank you very much, Polygon. Pokemon the movie 2000 is called The Power of One. Uh, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Ranger in the Temple of the Sea, The Rise of Darkrai. You mean the hot dog machine? 
That one got cut. Oh, no. Garatina and the Sky Warrior. Arceus and the Jewel of Life. Arguably one of the better movies. Uh, Zoroark, Masters of Illusion. Arguably one of the worst movies. Pokemon, the movie Black Victini. And Reshiram, the movie White Victini with Zekrom. Hiram and the Swords of Justice. One of the most interesting movies, I would say. Because there's no actual bad guy in that movie. Genesect and, the Le- correct. Genesect and the Legend Awaken, which I thought was good. Has our buddy Jake Pake in it. Ooh, that's true. Deance and the Cocoon of Destru- Destruction, which I haven't seen and I want to see because I want to know how people are saying Yivatel. I want to know the right way to say it. I watched the trailer. They say Xerneas. Xerneas. Easy. On Everyone says it. Yivatel, there's some debate on how to say that name. I'm curious for that movie. Hoopa and the Clash of Ages. have not seen that one either. Uh, and Volcanion and the Mechanical Marvel, one of the worst movies ever. It's bad. It's I've never seen that Real one. bad. It's very bad. Uh, what did they cut? The Celebi movie, which is weird because the last Twitch marathon, they definitely showed it. Uh, they cut Destiny Deoxys. They cut Jirachi Wishmaker. And they cut Pokemon Heroes, uh, subtitled Ash Kisses a Pokemon. Ugh. They always cut those movies because that is that weird distribution time before it was like before they switched all over to the Pokemon company um, producing movies, which I believe started with the Lucario movie. Uh, Jirachi Wishmaker, mediocre but fun because it is Jirachi. Destiny Doxis, arguably one of the best Pokemon movies ever made. The voice acting's bad. Yeah, but the plot's real good. Makes sense. It's cool. Deoxys first Rayquaza, that's cool. Uh, Pokemon Heroes, I mean, understandably cut. You got some human, so <sighs> get rid of that. I don't know why the Celebi movie didn't make the cut this time, though. I, maybe people are tired of Celebi. Maybe Professor Willow caught all the Celebis. There's none left. Professor Willow, a very busy man. You, you get put more work in than Professor Oak. That's right. Guy's probably still hitting the gym, too. Uh, this is really exciting, though. This is uh, this is unexpected, but probably this is really a strong way to go into the holiday season here. Uh, it's actually taking us through the entire last quarter of the year. It's August through 2019. It just, again, shows the power, the marketing power that is the Pokemon company. We talk about yeah. this all the time. It's not just the games. So there, there are very, some very salty people out there, probably not listening to this podcast because they're very upset with Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. But we say this all the time. We have to reiterate it from time and time. The Pokemon Company International is just a, way more than a video game. They make way more than one game a year. <laughs> they also like to make money. They love money. I wonder what this deal uh, in, in... I wonder what this deal led to. I mean, they got money to spend. Tell you that, $2 million a day with Pokemon Go. They got money to spend. Um, but going into this year with Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, Pokemon Go is hotter than hotter than it's been in the last year. This last summer has been real good for Pokemon Go, uh, according to all reports. This Switch movie marathon, getting people back into the anime. Smash Brothers. No, I, I th- yeah, I think people see... I mean, Twitch is such a popular platform now for viewing any kind of content. And then people see, like pokemon cartoons on twitch and they're like oh i remember playing pokemon and then they're like oh and there's a pokemon game coming out for the switch i might as well give it a try Kaching, kaching, cash in my pocket oh yeah they know or it reminds them to play pokemon go or that old chestnut <laughs> <laughs> or the or the hit game pokemon quest 
uh, I kind of gave up on that. Uh, or the other hit game that came out earlier this year that everyone seemed to forget about, Detective Pikachu, which I still think is arguably very good. It's, it's, I, maybe I might finish that this weekend. It is, it is enjoyable. And then next year we have the 2019 Pokemon game, and I'm sure we'll get you know Magikarp Jump 2 or something else next year as well. I can't imagine next year is just going to be one Pokemon game. They're pretty good at putting out multiple things in a year. Well, that's how they make money and appeal to audiences. So, yes. This will be exciting. Uh, sometimes Twitch, Twitch chat can be pretty toxic, though. But there is something to be said. Watching a movie with, you know, 50,000 people. billion people simultaneously all pressing Fs when Pikachu gets attacked by all the Spiros. I, uh, I do not know if you can co-stream this. Usually you can because it's on Twitch Presents, uh, but we'll have to, I guess, wait till Monday for the rules to come out. Uh, what co-streaming means is another streamer can uh, stream the channel instead of you going directly to the Twitch Presents channel. So, For example, I would be able to stream the Twitch Presents channel, uh, and then instead of watching it with 50,000 people, you could watch it with like 100 people on my channel. You uh, never go as low as 100. You're always around like 180. I was trying to be modest, Will. Well, I'm not going to allow that. No modesty when I'm around. So that'd be cool. I think while I might not be able to... I don't have enough time in the week to watch all this anime, especially as as I'm streaming, but uh, we might... We might start be we might start do start doing movie nights on Sunday with this if we have the ability to co-stream it because I think that would be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, how come Twitch doesn't have co-streaming built in yet? Uh well, when you co-stream, they provide you a co-stream link. Uh, so you open the link on the browser, you capture that source, or you just you just enter that source directly into OBS into the browser source function. Okay. Um, so they usually provide you, that's what they did for E3. They were like, this is the co-streaming link. Just make sure when you co-stream it, you turn off archiving uh, and make sure you turn off, make sure you put in, make sure you're streaming under the right category. Uh, they I, they pretty much frown upon like, if you were, if you were co-streaming E3, you were supposed to be streaming in E3. If you were streaming in like Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, they frown upon that. I don't know if anything actually happens, but I mean, if you're a Twitch partner or a Twitch affiliate, you should be following the Twitch rules per your contract because both Twitch affiliates and partners do have contracts. Whether or not people actually follow their contracts, I can't speak to that. You, you agreed to those terms of service, even if you didn't read them. Correct. I think that's it for news, though. Uh, very exciting, though, to see this Twitch stuff. But speaking of Twitch, we're going to talk to... Uh, Famous Twitch streamer, get Jeff Gerstmann. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, GiantBomb.com. Jeff Gerstmann uh, and his experiences with Pokemon and just video games in general. And then when we get back, we'll do our Pokemon of the Week. So we will be right back. But uh, your, your, your player character in this game is called Chase. Chase. And the female character, female character is called Elaine. Elaine. 
Elaine. Like you got Trace, you got Chase, and Elaine. And we are back from our break, and I am here with uh, Jeff Gerstman. Gerstman? Gerstman. 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 Yeah. I don't think I ever said your last name out loud. From Giant Bomb. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, we're we're getting ready for PAX. You know, PAX is coming up here pretty soon, so it's a lot of like, okay, you got to book travel and book appointments to see games and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it was like a year ago at PAX West was when I was like, hey, would you ever be on a Pokemon show? Of course I would. It just, yeah, no. And then it took forever. No, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, uh, we should have done this sooner. No, it's it's totally good. It's it's, And then we, we met again on East, and then I, I actually can't go to West this year just because of, man, West is so expensive when you're flying from coast to coast. Oh, yeah. No, that's because, uh, you know, we go out to Boston and... Yeah, like a for well, it's cheaper for the New York office to go to the Boston one. I mean, if we were smart, we would only send the people in New York to PAX East, and then we would only go to PAX West or something like that. But I don't know. <laughs> it's fun to get everybody together. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't know. It's it's some it's some budget that I'm not even privy to. So whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. I it guess. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Format of the show, just for our listeners, if you're coming over from Giant Bomb, uh, welcome. If you are just an isc listener and you've never heard of jeff let's start there uh jeff who are you what do you do on the internet what is giantbomb.com uh well i i can't I, what i do on the internet is my business quite frankly i'm not right gonna there. get too deep into that that's uh that's between me and uh well let's not get into that uh giantbomb.com is a is a website it's about video games uh more or less and i have been covering the video game industry uh professionally i guess you would say for about 22 years now 24 years 20, so, yeah so oh, oh let's just say over 20 years i don't know at some point uh the, the individual years matter a little less <laughs> and uh yeah we you know we do a, a variety of things uh run a podcast of our own called the giant Bombcast, uh and uh you know we put up a lot of video of games you know I- interviews and 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 just a, a variety of stuff and we run a premium subscription service for people who are into it and want more of it. We we let people subscribe to get more of it. That's pretty much it. I uh, I remember I came on the giant giant bomb bandwagon around the time where you guys hired Dan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a good time to jump on or well, not, but I don't know. So you were there to see the whole the the, the whole mess, basically. You've, yes. you've been here for the the messy years. Uh, yeah, no, we, we've been, we've been at it for just, just over 10 years now. Uh, last month was our, was our, our 10th anniversary. Uh, and, and yeah, Dan came on, gosh, about four years, five years ago now. I yeah, don't like, again, it's all a blur. <laughs> I think so. It was, it was when Vinny was leaving and well, not, not that Vinny's gone. He's the beast cast now. Um, and then Dan was coming on and I remember, cause we've had Dan on the, on the show too. And I remember yeah. Dan early talking about making, like hot dogs in a shoebox, and I was like, "I who did? Why is this guy being hired right now?" It's uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, there were definitely some people who were like, "What's up with that guy?" But I think it's uh, I think it's uh, proven itself out in the long run. Yes, uh, th- that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Dan's Dan's amazing. Yeah, and then he's since moved out to to the New York office, so they they run the Giant Beast cast out there. You know, Vinny was uh, was part of the original crew that started the site, uh, and then then yeah, he moved back east. You know, it's, it's where his family's from. At some point, some point you got to do that. So uh, yeah, you know, they're they're all out there, and then we have a crew in San Francisco. We're something like. I don't know, like 11 people now, nine people. Uh, yeah. Somewhere between nine and 11, depending on how you count it. And a fine CBS product. That's right. Uh, it's us and 60 minutes, pretty much. For me, w- watching and listening to Giant Bomb so long, it was, it's always, I mean, disappointing, but understandable when bigger game gaming outlets don't ever cover Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> but you, the first thing I've noticed, and that was like, all right, this is my in to like ask Jeff to get on the show. You went to PokemonCenter.com and you bought a Poplio shirt. Yeah. Heck yeah, I did. <laughs> what, was, what was the drive behind that? That was that was right when Pokemon Sun and Moon were coming out. So not last uh not last Christmas, but the Christmas before. That was the when all the new starter Pokemon being shown, Poplio, Litten, Rowlet. There, I, there I, had to be some drive there to spend what, like twenty five dollars on that. Yeah, plus shipping. Plus, yeah, it's, I, I felt like Poplio was really getting a bum rap out there on the internet. That no one was championing uh, Poplio. I, I think, uh, I think Poplio got a bum rap, and so I just wanted to provide a little support to to Poplio. I, I felt like it was, it was the least I could do uh, for for the Pokemon franchise. <laughs> Uh, was to support Poplio in his time of need. <laughs> That's fair. I'm sure. I'm sure Poplio will be brought up again. Um, you've been in the games industry for you know 20 plus years. Pokemon. I I think this year is his 22nd year of being being a Goliath in the video game industry. Do you remember yeah. specifically when like 1998 when the Pokemon games first arrived in America, red and blue, and when the anime launched, and then obviously followed by countless numbers of countless amount of merchandise that a lot of people thought it was a fad and i guess you could say it was a fad for the 90s but it it stuck around i mean i guess that no longer proves it was a fad i mean it's not as big as it was but i you you were you were around yeah yeah uh yeah well i mean when it first uh you know nintendo made a a reasonably big deal of of it when it was first uh coming to the states but it it was hard to get a sense of what they meant because you know they, they could send out press releases and say like hey this thing's this is huge in Japan. And you're like, okay, all right, well, we'll we'll take a look at it. And and I played through uh, almost all of Red uh, when when it came in. I, I I don't remember if I quite finished it or not, but I, I did. I put quite a bit of time into it because um, you know at the time, you know, it, you know, I, I think Pokemon over the years has become more of like a kids thing, right? Or or it's it's thought of that way by publications because they're like, hey, this this thing is popular. The people who know about it already know about it. There's almost you know there's not as much value to be had out of covering it for a new audience because you know it's like people know by now whether they care about pokemon or not um but back then you know the first thing coming over it was like okay well what what is this all about it it i hear it's huge but what does that even mean so you get it and you're like okay you know it it felt like a, a competent like role-playing game you know there, there was some depth to it there was a lot of characters it was longer you know when you think about kids games you think about like just really really dumbed down stuff but like i i don't think of pokemon is being like particularly dumbed down for a younger audience uh it just seems like it's a an accessible rpg or or, or that's what it always was then anyway it was just like here's this this role-playing game with a lot of the tropes that you would expect to see out of you know similar games at the time 
but you know in, done in a, in a fairly accessible way and then of course like the the concept of like catching them all and collecting everything and all that stuff was you know i, I don't know that there were too many games doing that aspect of it at the time uh and yeah, so I don't know. I I, I watched, uh, you know, in in the years following or, or around that time, it, it, it all kind of runs together at some point. But we got our hands on a VHS tape of the band episode of Pokemon. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that had the um the flashing. I guess it was like a blue and red. Yeah, the Porygon uh, episode. Yeah, yeah. So so we ended up getting a hold of that. Uh, we had uh, contacts in Japan that sent it over, and I remember <laughs> sitting in a room. And shutting all the lights off and getting very close to the TV and just putting that part of the episode on to see what would happen. Uh, and nothing did. Um, but yeah, we, we ended up having that that portion. I don't even think we had the whole episode. I think it was just a tape that literally had like that and like a minute of, of space around it. It, was, it wasn't even the full episode. Um, <laughs> because it was, such, it, yeah. that was a huge, huge story at the time. You know, uh, like like U.S. outlets were picking up on it. So like the banned episode of a kid's cartoon show and it's causing, you know, epileptic seizures and, and all this other stuff. So we're like, oh, we should probably probably ch- check this out and, and, and take a look at it because uh, we were writing news stories about it at the time. Um, and then, you know, like I ended up when, when they started localizing the anime, I uh, Pioneer, who would, who was putting out the episodes on DVD at that point, um, at least early on, they were sending them to us. Uh, for a while so i ended up getting the first seven you know it was like three episodes per disc i think it was it was not a ton of episodes but i think i ended up watching the first seven dvds uh so the first like 20 or so episodes of of that original show and and i was like you know this is for for what it is this is all pretty good uh you know it's like higher quality than what you think of as like the standard kind of kids game sort of thing like like pokemon kind of stood out um that way but for me personally, like I, I you know, I, I was a, was a big fan of Pokemon Snap just because I thought it was a cool idea, and I tried to play Gold or Silver when when those came out. But I, I never really, I never really spent too much time with any of the games after that. Uh, it was like I, I played through probably most of Red, and then fiddled around with a little bit of everything else in in the years that followed because it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I, I feel like I kind of get what this is and. And I was I was just having less and less time for long role playing games to begin with, so so I I, I ended up kind of uh, falling out. Also, you know what? The original Gen One Pokemon that they're better than the other ones, <laughs> just straight up, <laughs> straight up. That original, I, I feel an affinity for that uh, for a lot of that original batch, uh, or it felt fresh at the time. I, I feel yeah. like every when, every time they were like, "Here's the new 150 Pokemon," you, you look at them and you're like, "Man, no." <laughs> Forget it. Not interested. <laughs> These think, ones are dumb. I think the Pokemon company realizes that too, as as there's <laughs> always like a lot of Gen One nostalgia that they definitely play up. Totally, yeah. I mean, like Pokemon Go was just Gen One at first, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It seems like everything they launch, they're they're you know anything they launch that's going to be that multi generational thing, they're always starting with just like like re- leaning really heavy into the classics, I guess. Yeah. I. I mean, I guess they. They know what their audience wants, but I mean, like usually when somebody gets past that, because uh, there's like a there's like a tipping point of like the fan base that only likes Gen One, and then the fan base that likes everything. Right. You see, uh, I've been seeing it a lot with Pokemon Go players, where a lot of them starting off, they were like Gen One is the best, and then because they're so addicted to that game at that point, when they they're up to Gen Three now in Pokemon Go, 
they mm-hmm. have like dropped that um motif or that agenda of now they're just okay with everything because they're just so ingrained at that point oh sure yeah and, and if you like the game and it's feeding you new new things to collect i mean that that's the whole point of it right you know pokemon go especially seems like like custom built to get people to like eventually accept or you know appreciate if accept if not appreciate you know the 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 future the the later generations of pokemon because at some point you're just like so hooked on that game and they're like hey here's way more stuff for you to collect you're like okay let's go let's go yeah Uh, yeah yeah i was in a target the other day and there was a little kid must have been six seven years old and he was holding a a toy gun and yelling at his mom how how excited he was holding this toy gun and at one point <laughs> he put down the gun and started doing one of the dances in Fortnite and i yep. was like this is the this is the world we live in and it's funny <laughs> it's funny that people say that pokemon is a kids game because uh, most of my audience i mean like the podcast audience in general you don't have a lot of kids listening to podcasts sure totally yeah and then when i stream on twitch uh you know you get kids every now and then but the people giving you money at least have some form of <laughs> credit card or debit card. Yeah. But it's funny, like, is Fortnite the new kids game? I guess so, right? I mean, it's, it's Fortnite is the new Minecraft, and Minecraft was probably the new Pokemon in some sense. So maybe? Uh, but, you know, like also, like, th- think about how long Pokemon's been around at this point. Like, it, you know, now it is that nostalgia thing. Now it is like, oh, I was a kid when this came out, and... And or, you know, and then it's like Harry Potter or something, you know, like people go through that phase of just like, oh, I liked this. And then it became very uncool because I was in my late teens, early 20s. And then as I evened out as a person and became more accepting of the things I liked when I was a kid and not everything had to be edgy, uh, I got back into it. Uh, And I think Pokemon went through that exact trajectory for for a ton of people to where. You know, people have nostalgia for for this thing because you know they were they were very young when it came out. I'm trying, you know, I was I was you know 22, 23 or something like that when that stuff was coming over. Uh, so even then, it felt like a little young uh, for me. But you know, it was it was my job to stay on top of that stuff. So so I definitely checked it out and found it to at least be pretty good for what it was. With with games like Pokemon, or even you can look at like a game like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Were we on Final Fantasy 15? I think right. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty. I don't even know what Call of Duty we're on. I think it, I think it's you know if you discount like some of the console only ones, I want to say this year is Call of Duty 14. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Pokemon would be uh, Generation Seven, but you know they do the half step games in between. Right. How does somebody now get into not not only Pokemon, but a game like Final Fantasy. I remember when they were pushing Final Fantasy 15 so hard, and it's like, that's a huge number right. uh, for somebody who's never played the first 14 Final Fantasies. And Pokemon doesn't use the numbering thing, but still, I mean, I, I don't think anyone has never heard of Pokemon before. Right. I, and, and I think that, you know, you'll see more and more franchises move away from numbers as the numbers get bigger because those numbers scare people away. You know, in Final Fantasy, there's no reason why you couldn't just walk out and pick up Final Fantasy 15 because, you know, in, in those cases, there's not even really a story continuity between the games. You know, it's all different characters. It's different settings. It's different even types of games in some cases. Um, you know, and I think Pokemon does a good job of that, too. You don't necessarily need to have played all the previous Pokemon games to understand what's happening in, in the newer ones. And I, I remember having a conversation. It was with the 
with i guess the people who were running the resident evil team at the time of re6 being announced and and they were like yeah you know this numbering thing like we we probably have to stop it soon and and even they were just like you know what what are they making now final fantasy 14 at the time was what 14 or 13 or whatever it was yeah and they they were laughing just going like what does that even mean 13 you know like like what you know how are you supposed to get into that and i yeah i i think that was the first time i'd heard someone kind of vocalize that that notion of just like hey at some point these numbers get so high they become meaningless. They they make it seem like something that you couldn't possibly understand to get into, and, and so I, I think the the franchises that have moved away from the numbering scheme are probably right to do so. You know, Call of Duty at this point is even weirder because you know th- they'll do numbering of their sub series. So what is it? It's, uh, Black Ops Four is coming out this year, mm-hmm. and so that's a series that only gets incremented every three years because of how they develop the games now and all this other weird stuff. And, you know, at some point, like even that, like black ops four, even, even that sounds like a lot, even though, you know, they don't even have, there's no story to even be told in that game. So yeah, it, it's the, the numbering stuff is silly. I, I think the, the, the Pokemon stuff of issuing multiple games at the same time and having slightly different titles on them and all that sort of stuff I think it's really cool, but also I could see that actually being slightly more confusing to like a new player uh, than than the the high numbers could be for for some of this other stuff. Because you know, you walk into a store and you're just like, "Well, wait a minute, what? My what am I getting here? Am I getting gold or am I getting silver or you know, like whatever yeah. whatever generation? Or you know, are you, are you getting X or are you getting Y? Like what you know, what do you, what's the difference? I I feel like they've never really done an amazing job of explaining on like the back of the box or something there at the like the where the games are being purchased to like say to new players like hey this one just has slightly different pokemon than this one and <laughs> you'll be fine either way you know do you want this or do you want that you know just like and, and they'll put it on the back of the box like well here's the legendary that's in this one or or something like that or, or on the cover or whatever but but they don't always say what that means and so I could see someone looking at it and going like, I don't even know which one to get. Which one did you get? Because should I get the opposite one? Or if we, can we, can we can't play together if we don't have the same game, right? Or, you know, like I could see new players being confused by that. But at this point, you know, Pokemon's been popular enough. It's been around forever. Like e- even that's like an easy conversation to have with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I remember the latest game, Sun and Moon, and then Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, because they do, like I said, they do these half steps yeah, where they're like, yeah. let's re-release the game twice again because <laughs> these suckers will buy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm a sucker. 80 bucks every every year. Of course. They release two of the same games. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the big complaint, especially in those games, was from a lot of hardcore Pokemon fans, was there's so much hand-holding. The first island, the first two, three hours of this game is... I know how to play. Right. But I'm thinking from their perspective is they don't care about the hardcore fans at this point because they already have our money. They've had our money for the last 20 years. Totally. Uh, they just slap Pokemon on it and we'll buy it. <laughs> right. But I think they're really, really pushing for new people. And without that excessive handholding, Pokemon at this point, 800 plus Pokemon, a dozen plus different Pokeballs hundreds if not thousands of moves and abilities like it is very very intimidating compared to back in red and blue where you have 150 pokemon you have like four different pokeballs you have no abilities no natures you just have these four moves for you know however much right 
Yeah, totally. And I think that that's, that's always the hard problem you have with anything that's, that's lasted a long time is, is how do you strike that balance between keeping the people satisfied who have been with you all the way while making sure you're not making something that's completely insular and, and impenetrable to someone new. And, you know, like you, you see people complaining about, like, I don't know, like at some point, like people complain about Star Wars for similar reasons, right? It's like, hey, this stuff was kind of always made for kids and you've grown up along with it and, and you can't always expect the thing to grow up right alongside you because, the, you know, the people making it probably have something in mind about like, hey, here's the here's the age range we're kind of shooting for or the, the type of player we're shooting for. And just because you've changed, it doesn't always mean that thing should change. Um. But I, I, but I do think there's plenty of ways to try to balance that out and, and try to make something that and Pokemon Go in some ways was, was probably an attempt at that. Like, hey, let's, you know, there's a lot of Pokemon fans out there that have grown up and now are walking around with phones everywhere. Let's make something for them and start with the Gen 1 Pokemon because those, that's what those people love. And so I, I don't know whether it's, it's multiple products or, yeah, you know, it, it could be as simple as, well, I say simple, but it actually would probably be a whole lot of work of just like, hey put an advanced mode in the game that turns off a lot of that stuff because you know for people who already know what they're doing they don't need all that hand holding but that's nintendo you know like first party nintendo is like all traditionally been really good at saying like hey here's here's like a fair amount of hand holding to get anyone ramped up in this game and make sure you understand what's going on and sometimes they can be a little overbearing i want to say like, what was it skyward sword uh was a was a case i think a lot of people were like really bummed out by how long like all the tutorial stuff was and, and just like, come on, let me go. Let me actually play the game. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they've, they've definitely been over overbearing. I don't know. Like I, I think back to like original Pokemon, like I, I feel like even though you're right, like there were way fewer abilities and Pokemon and just like all the other stuff, like it was such a smaller game by comparison. But at the same time, I, I still feel like I ran into like some sense of like analysis paralysis of just like, well, wait, if I have to forget a move to put cut <laughs> on one of these pokemon like wait i don't want to lose a move like that's not a i, I always that was what's one thing that stuck with me over the years is i felt like that particular that specific interaction of assigning those types of abilities to your pokemon should have been handled better yeah um that, that always felt like a weird uh a, a bad trade-off uh for for what you what you needed to do to advance in the game there it only took them about six generations to get rid of that mechanic. <laughs> well, good. At least, only, at least they got there. Only about 18 years. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, change and like how some games don't change with you as you grow up. You continue to play Call of Duty every single year. And that game does make significantly changes, but at the same time, it doesn't change that much. And I think the same could be said about Pokemon, where... There might be one or two significant changes, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it grand scheme of things, it's not that significant. But you keep coming back to Call of Duty, so I'm assuming they they change it enough to make it fresh and interesting, and maybe you don't like all the changes, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't feel like they're making that game for me anymore. Uh, at one point, I definitely did. You know, that was like to me, that was like one of the best games coming out every year. But I, I feel like over the last three or four years, you know, they long-running series you know madden does this a lot where you get to a point and it's usually around the shift like a hardware shift like oh the playstation 4 came out the first madden has a ton of features missing and then they add them back year after year to get back to where they were by the end of that generation and then do it all over again and so i i think like a lot of long-running franchises make a lot of changes because they have to make changes uh and and they're listening to the fan base you know so like the 
the big thing for for this year's Call of Duty is like, hey, there's no jetpacks, which is exactly the same thing they did with last year's Call of Duty by making it set in World War II. Uh, and so they, they're pulling the same trick two years in a row of like trying to say like, hey, it doesn't have any of these jetpacks or any other wall running stuff you hated. But it's like literally the same guy out on stage telling you, we hear you. We got rid of this stuff. Aren't we awesome? It's the same guy who three years ago was like, we put in jetpacks. Isn't that awesome? And it's just kind of ridiculous. To, yeah. To, to watch that happen. But no, I, you know, I. I I am fascinated by Call of Duty because of its, you know, because of its position as as having been such a huge franchise for for so many years. But I feel like over the last three or four years, like it's really just gotten away from me in in a way that like I I will play some of it. I ended up playing a bit more of last year's game than I thought I would, but uh, not as much as I would have played of the the game that came out three years ago, four years ago, or something like that. So I don't know. I, I've just been slipping away from it for for a long time, and I think they're. You know, you, you talk about Fortnite being like the new kids game, like they're staring down a completely different landscape for that type of shooter now. Right. Like, I, I think Battlefield is in, in the same boat, too, where it's just like, how do you break through against something like Fortnite that is free to play on every platform and is huge? Uh, and 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 I feel like that Battle Royale style gameplay is very hooky, like you you play it, you lose, you like, well, let's get back in there and do it again. You know, like it, it's very easy just to hit go and, and, and do another one. And, and when call of duty was at its best, it was that same way of like, you, you would get shot, you would die and you're like, well, I need to respawn. I need to get back in there and do it again. And so you see them scrambling, you know, they're like they're, they have their own battle Royale mode this year and all that other stuff. And who knows? Uh, but, but it's, it's interesting watching them react to a landscape that is completely changed. I feel like that's, you know, the, you can say, a lot of things about Pokemon, but I feel like that franchise has really, it's stuck to its guns. It, it, you know, it, it feels confident. It feels like it's being made by a team that knows what they want to get out of those games. And that doesn't mean those games are perfect. Uh, obviously, you know, if it took them 18 years or whatever <laughs> to change some of those systems, you know, they, they maybe get set in their ways a little too much. But the thing I would say about those games is they, they you know, they, they always feel like they're being made with purpose and, and not necessarily by committee and not necessarily to you know because some marketing spreadsheet told them they had to do this to survive or something like the the pokemon franchise always felt like it was just like hey we we know what we want to make we think the fans will like this we we know they will like this part uh for sure and and they just set forth and do it call of duty and battlefield are kind of chasing something where pokemon is not like they they kind of know what they're doing every year or two years whenever they put out something yeah, and it's, you know, Pokemon's not as big as it used to be, but that doesn't mean it's small, you know, uh, it's, it's still freaking Pokemon. Uh, so it, it's, it's still a plenty big, you know, it, it's still intensely popular. I, I, that's, that's the impression I get, you know, it, it kind of became quietly popular. I feel like that's how it started too. It was, it was hard to gauge, you know, cause social media didn't exist back when those games first came out. And so you had a good idea, you know, talking to people that had kids and, you know, your friends and their parents and their parents, you know, whatever. You're like, oh, my kid just can't get enough of this Pokemon thing. What's it all about? You know, like, you know, like I would start getting questions from relatives around Christmas time or something. That would be like, what's the, what is with this Pokemon? Um, and I would have to explain, like, oh no, it's it's fine. It's not going to turn them into Satanists or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and and you know, at some point that stopped because you know people understand inherently. I think what Pokemon is now, generally, after all these years, if people are asking questions about it, the answers are easy to get. 
but also, you know, social media has come along and, and, and there are different ways to gauge like, hey, what's the biggest game in the world right now? Uh, and yeah, it's it's Fortnite. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> So now Fortnite. this Christmas, you're going to be explaining these dances. Yeah, well, I, I feel like the kids have probably already explained them. You know, like, like honestly, you know, I, I think it'll, the questions will be more like, the questions nowadays are more like, is Fortnite safe for my kids? Because, boy, they sure seem to do nothing else other than talk about and play Fortnite. And I have yeah. to be like, ah, you know, it's it's fine. When I was when I was 16, that was me with, you know, Street Fighter and, and Mortal Kombat. Like, that's, you know, that's that's all I wanted to talk to anyone about ever. And, and before that, it was, I don't know, you go all the way back at some point. I spent a lot of time talking about Pac-Man as a child. So, I think for uh, yeah. me, it was goldeneye in the 64 i think that was the conversation my mom was having with other parents of if this was oh, okay right, yeah. or not yeah uh and you know as always it's up to the parents to to figure that out if it's okay for their for their kid or not yeah you mentioned uh mortal Kombat, street fighter there was a pokemon spin-off fighting game that you played with i yeah. believe <laughs> the pokin tournament and uh, also giant bomb also did a quick look uh, I don't know if you need to get into the huge quick look thing of your quick looks being an hour long and they're not exactly quick uh, that well, that you know, YouTube it, likes to tell you. Yeah, well, you know, these games can be 40 to 100 hours long. I'd, I'd say an hour long video is still relatively quick in the grand scheme. Yeah, uh, but uh, Giant Bomb covered both Pokemon Tournament and Detective Pikachu. Pretty Two pretty recent spinoff games, so yeah. a couple questions like why did you guys focus on those specific games? And another question, I guess, is like what do you think spin-off games kind of do for a series we see that again with like final fantasy and resident evil that they kind of have like these one-off games are they well i think that they you know they 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 have it both ways you know you still get your core pokemon releases but then you get this side story i mean the the universe of pokemon is large enough to support that sort of stuff between you know the the, the anime turning you know ashes pikachu into a specific character as opposed to just another pikachu you know the, since the beginning they've been uh telling different stories in that universe so I, I think there's a lot of room for for a lot of different stuff not that not that poke and tournament is some huge story thing obviously but uh you know but detective pikachu specifically i, I think you know kind of continues in that tradition in a, in a weird way so i think you know i think that's interesting to us you know in terms of just like you know if, if another pokemon game's coming out like honestly none of us are keeping current enough with the overall franchise to have anything super meaningful to say about uh, you know, the next core Pokemon release. And honestly, just with role-playing games in general, like they're so time-consuming that we we often pass on them anyway. And and so those those side stories end up being interesting, you know, especially when they're like, hey, we're making a Pokemon fighting game. It's like, oh, and, and I, you, have to, you have to stop and go like, wait a minute, is it just going to be another Pokemon Stadium? Because that's not a fighting game. Yeah. And, and not a Pokemon game, not a pure Pokemon game either. Uh, and they're like, no, 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 we have Namco. We're, we're making a proper fighting. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll, we'll give it a look. Um, I was not a fan. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a, it, uh, that, that camera perspective. Like I, I like my fighting games typically to be kind of side view type mm -hmm. things primarily and problem with it. Yeah. And the way it kind of switches in and out of that, I, I don't, I don't much care for. And Detective Pikachu seemed like really like well made for what it was, you know, the, like the the voice of of the Pikachu, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and that's just like a fun, weird left field thing of just like, hey, we're gonna tell this, you know, we're gonna have this story, you know, hey, you're gonna solve some mysteries and some crimes, whatever, 
Uh, but then we're going to fill it full of Pokemon and you're going to be able to just talk to the different ones and see what they have to say about the events as if they were just like any other witness to these events. I thought that was ridiculous and, and, and fun. So these side games, like, do they bring in new audiences or are they just there to make your main audience happy? Because I don't know if anyone like who is very hardcore in a Street Fighter or maybe Tekken would be the better example since Pokken is based off that right. engine would kind of drop what they're doing and pick this up when they have no interest in Pokemon to begin with. Yeah, I, I mean, like it, it's certainly possible, but no, it doesn't seem like that would be how something like that would go for 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 Pokken, uh, especially. Um I think you have an opportunity with that stuff, especially, you know, because Pokemon's been around for so long, I, it ends up being an opportunity to speak to or, or have something that like a lapsed Pokemon fan can jump back into. They might not, especially, you know, they, they might not have the time for the core Pokemon franchise anymore. You know, the, the games are, are longer. It's, it's more involved, you know, especially if you're thinking about the way that, you know, people, you know, if you're really going to go out there and catch them all. Uh, that's a time consuming <laughs> thing, you know, it it, it's, it's a huge investment. So if you can get like, if you can brush up against the Pokemon universe and, and feel like you had like a, a fun time with something like a detective Pikachu, like you're still in it. You're still, you know, like checking out and enjoying a Pokemon thing without having to make that kind of extreme time commitment. I think I, that's what I would say about something like Pokemon snap, even going back then or, but you know, like that was a long time ago but uh but, but detective pikachu certainly pokemon tournament maybe less so because it's you know it's such a specific skill set you even need to like really enjoy a fighting game at this point that you know it's kind of not for everyone uh, and i don't know like i don't know who the audience actually is for for pokemon tournament other than that like uh, like a lasting audience because i look at it and go that's a cool idea i would like to see that and then I saw it, and then I never played it again. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I don't, I don't know who the lasting audience for Pokemon Tournament is, but it ain't me. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of you and Giant Bomb, though, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. You guys do podcasts. You do the Giant Beast Cast, the Giant Bomb Cast, and then you do premium podcasts, which are behind a paywall. Yeah. Uh, and then you do video series uh, like Steal My Sunshine and. Beast of the East. What was that Yakuza one? Yeah, that um, was uh, Beast in the East, I think is what that Beast was called. Beast in the East. Yeah. And then you do Quick Looks, which mm -hmm. gave 45 minutes to both Detective Pikachu, Pokemon Tournament, a bunch of other games. Do you think there's a point where you're making too much content? Is That's a weird question, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on who you ask. You know, we, we I, I think it's hard to to gauge because, you know, we're, we're putting up hours of stuff every week. And, and we definitely hear from a lot of people that they can't keep up with all of it. Uh, and then, but we also hear from people who definitely do keep up with all of it and want more. Uh, and you know, I, I think uh, it, it's a uh, it's a good problem to have. But you know, you you end up in a situation where you're like, okay, well, you know, if we if we get deep into one game for a good long period of time, what happens if someone really hates that game in a way that they you know, like like a lot of people are watching for us and they don't really care too much about what's being played. Um, but if, you know, if you really don't like dark souls or if you just came off of playing dark souls or watching someone else play dark souls or something like that, and, and we're like, Hey, every once a week, we're going to play through dark souls or something like that. And then Vinny's going to play, you know, we, we had a situation where we had like two separate playthroughs of dark souls specifically running almost back to back. If you don't like dark souls, it's, it's almost like nothing went up for you. 
Uh, so we will we'll occasionally see people say like, oh, man, nothing's going up. And, and I look at the site and go, there's a ton of stuff going up. <laughs> uh, I guess this just means that whatever is running is not to that particular person's liking. Um, and we've grown a lot. You know, obviously, we're you know, we're, we're still growing. And so, you know, every, every time you bring new people in, it's, it's people who haven't been there for the full 10 years and, and, and might want something slightly different than a person who's been there the whole time. And. And all that sort of stuff. So as we've grown, the types of people, you know, watching our stuff has changed and, and spread out a lot, too. So, you know, uh, I don't know that I necessarily, you know, it, it, we, we try to have a little bit of something for everyone, but but all kind of filtered through our unique viewpoint and, and with our people on it. You know, that that's that's kind of the 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 one uniting thing is that this ultimately the website is about us um, and and our our path through games and the game industry and, and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully, you know, people can find something to, to enjoy there with feedback, like too much content, not enough content. Uh, and with just the Goliath that is social media. Uh, how do you, how do you and maybe other people of the giant bomb staff handle that of, I mean, like you're extremely knowledgeable when it comes to pretty much every video game. Cause you've been in it for so long, but there could be on a podcast where something just slips your mind or on a quick look where you just forget and then you have maybe dozens of people letting you know that that was wrong or incorrect or just letting you know they didn't like this or like that. There's a lot of traffic and noise. So how does somebody like you deal with that? You just keep moving forward. Like, you know, you you, you see it and you go like, oh, huh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are definitely cases where, you know, like, I, yeah, I, I've been covering video games for a long time, but, you know, like, especially these days, so many more games are coming out week to week and and you know a lot of them are kind of flying under the radar you know just smaller indie releases and stuff like that but there's just so much it used to be a lot easier to keep up with everything that was coming out because all of it was being shipped to a store and you could look at a list and say these you know the, the busiest it would get would be like the the weekend or the the tuesday before thanksgiving or, or the week before that you'd have like 40 releases coming out or, or 30 games or something and that that was as busy as it got and then the first quarter of the year was completely barren. And it's just not like that anymore. Everything's coming out all year round. The first quarter of next year, I think, is probably more exciting for me than uh, than the holiday season of this year, just because of so many games getting pushed into that release window. Uh, and and yeah, it's it's not as easy to keep up with it as, as it used to be. So yeah, you know, it, it's there are probably cases uh, where where yeah, I'm I'm not as informed about a new release as maybe I would have been when there were fewer new releases to stay up on. Um, but you just kind of have to keep moving forward. Like there's no real time to reflect because tomorrow's another day and you got, you got more stuff to, you know, you got to keep, keep stuff going up on the site. So you just kind of look at it and make a note of it. And you're like, okay, all right, well, whatever. I got to keep, I got to keep going. Try to do better next time. Somebody at the PAX East, this last PAX East giant bomb panel, uh, they asked you if, what you would do if giant bomb like fell apart or ended and they asked if you would go a route of like a patreon route and they used drew and danny for examples drew scanlon and danny o'dwyer who are full into patreon but you said specifically at pax east that you were all in with giant bomb but do you like feel like that is why specific outlets or content creators do you think that's why they might fail because they're not fully committed to what they're doing or is I don't know if you wanted to expand on that a little bit because I thought that was like really interesting that you were like I'm not worried about this fa failing because I'm like committed to this. 
Not saying well, that Giant Bomb would fail. Right, right. You know, I think it's, it, there's, there's that aspect, but also it's like, you know, I don't have, you know, it's, it's just, I don't have time to really th- formulate a plan B. You know, that, that's the sort of thing you think about when, when the time comes. And, and you know, I, I think if that time came, I feel confident that I would be able to figure something out, uh, you know, that, that would make sense for, for me and honestly my family, you know, at some point. It's like, okay, I earn a living doing this. What, what now? Uh, Got to keep a, a roof over my head and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about that aspect of it. Like if, if this thing, you know, fell apart tomorrow, like I think I could figure something out. So instead it becomes like, okay, well, I, you know, that part's not really a concern. So let's, let's really just see how far we can take this thing and, and, and see what we can do and see how we can grow, you know, if we can grow responsibly and, you know, like the, the whole point was, and it, it can be frustrating at times, but the whole point was to stay, you know, small and, and try to be relatively nimble. And, and we've grown certainly over the years, but we tried to grow intelligently, you know, and, and not just say like, okay, let's hire 10 more people. And then suddenly we can do this. Like that would be fun, but also, you know, the, the, the increase of risk that comes with that of just like, okay, now we're responsible for the payroll and the well-being of the all of these additional people the business has to grow x to accommodate the the number of people uh that we're bringing on and stuff like that you know we, we want to keep it sensible so we we've always grown at a at a reasonable rate and and instead of just like hey you know hey parent company give us x million dollars and we're gonna we're gonna spend it on new people and just get into all these different things and, and stuff like that like that that'd be fun but also like it'd be weird uh i I like what we're doing uh and i think that's that's more i I think that that's probably where more where i was coming from at that point it was it was just like okay you know i i feel like there's there's still a lot more to do here uh i might i feel like my job is not done uh by any means so so i like what we're doing and and i like the what the what the future looks like you know we're, we're right now we're in the middle of redesigning the site and hopefully that'll be uh, something that people can bang on a little bit more in some kind of form, uh, some kind of pre-release form, maybe like next month uh, or the month after. And so, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff like that, that I'm, that I'm touching like, okay, let's redesign the site in this way. And, you know, we have a team of engineers and designers and all these other, you know, product people that are able to kind of handle that sort of stuff. And, and it's been fun to, to be able to kind of sit down and, and try to resign this stuff. You know, even just like, hey, you know, do, what do we think of the logo? It's been ten years. Should we we should freshen it up a little bit, probably, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> be able to have those conversations uh, because we weren't always in a position to have them, you know, because we would be almost too small and and not have time to devote to. It's like I don't have time to talk about the logo because I've got to go play this game before I can record this game, before I can do this podcast, so I can do this and this and this. We've got a little bit more breathing room these days, and it, it feels like it's 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 better. For just overall kind of morale and creativity and that sort of stuff to, to be able to like sit back and go like, okay, what next? For your audience, which is very passionate, um, how do you handle people that just want to help but don't want anything in return? And what I mean by that is like you have moderators in your chat and uh, you have people that are updating the wiki, mm-hmm. but obviously time is money. So I would I would never personally be like, well, if you make me this graphic, I'll tweet you out and give you exposure because that's the biggest right BS in the world. Um, but you you probably do have people that are just very passionate about Giant Bomb and just want to help because they personally find that fun and are investing. Do you have you thought about that? Have you have has that ever come across or is there a way to handle that or you just kind of stay away from it and go like 
we we have our staff we'll do it it'll be a little bit more work but we'll push forward i i think it's it's you know it's a hard line to balance and i think it's something that i think everyone is still figuring out like what's appropriate and what's not um in in terms of just like hey you know what what are people doing for exposure or or what are people doing for money and you know like we've we've definitely paid for merchant you know t-shirt designs and, and stuff like that like designers and stuff like that you know have made money on things that we've we've gone and, and sold and stuff like that but there have definitely been people who have been like hey i made this thing and i just want you know if you guys used it and shouted me out that'd be great and it's like okay well that's cool but i all right uh and and you know honestly we wouldn't have the budget to do all of that stuff so yeah it might be something that would be a little more time consuming on our own if we did it all on our own and yeah, I, I, honestly, like there are a lot of ins and outs to that question, I, and I think it's it's a it's a really tricky one um, in terms of just like like I don't I don't think I would ever feel comfortable asking someone to make a thing for no money, especially if it was something we were going to go sell, right? Um, you know, like a, like some of the t shirt designs and, and and stuff like that. But yeah, as far as like where the individual lines are, yeah, it was interesting, you know, because we we were back at E three. Uh, you know, Ubisoft was talking about how they were going to have people make art for uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 and all this other stuff. And it was like a weird, it felt weird because they were like, oh, well, we're going to pay some people. But it was like, you know, not, not like a, not what a designer would get paid for designing art for a game uh, necessarily. It was like, hey, you can do this and get your name in the game and then we'll give you a little bit of money too. And so that felt weird. And at the same time, you know, the, the, there had been a community contest uh, for people, you know, that, that was not really something we, you know, it's something the community kind of did on its own with with moderation and stuff uh, to come up with cool banners uh, for the official message board threads for the different press conferences and stuff like that. And this year we took those and actually ended up putting them onto our pre-roll stream with credit to the people who made them. And it happened in a way that felt very organic and stuff like that. But at the same time, I was like, well, wait, a, you know, is this that different from that? And so I, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing that I think is still being figured out. And I, I, I tend to err on the side of just like, Hey, you know, if, if we can, you know, cover people for, you know, merchandise and stuff like that, like, like certainly, uh, and then how it all develops from there. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's an interesting topic that is, it's a very now topic, right? Like, I think it's something that, that people are definitely thinking about. Yeah. Um, it's a long-winded answer that, that probably <laughs> doesn't actually give a lot of insight into it, but other than, hey, this is incredibly complicated. Every year during Christmas time, you have a bunch of top tens from not only the staff of Giant Bomb, but a bunch of friends of Giant Bomb. And those seem to do really well. Have you thought about, I mean, you probably thought about it, of course, but have you thought about having people come in and do quick looks or coverage of games that you personally are not interested in? I know like Giant Bomb overall doesn't really touch RPGs uh, with, I think Alex did uh, Persona 5. Yeah. Those are huge commitments, but also when you look at games like World of Warcraft or Pokemon or Final Fantasy where no one on the staff really wants to touch that for, un for reasons, mostly time. Um, do you think about like, Hey, these community sections do really well around Christmas. What if we brought somebody in for this? I, I think you could do it, but I, I, you know, the, the thing we've learned over the years is like, you can't just drop someone in fresh and say, go, uh, because the, the audience doesn't know who they are, uh, in, in some cases. And, and so, 
Uh, you know, the, the thing we've done is different from, I, I was at GameSpot.com years before this, and that was an environment where the people doing the work didn't really matter that much. They were not put in front of the camera all the time. You know, that, that changed over the years, but it was really just, you know, it was meant to be games first. And the thing that we built, which is, you know, this is more or less how we built it deliberately, but I think it, it ended up going in that direction even even harder than I would have guessed at the time uh whereas we kind of put ourselves in front of the games it's not just it's not here is the definitive take on this game here is our take on this game and so if we bring someone else in that is just there to do that one thing does the audience get the same thing out of it uh you know is that person going to be fast and funny enough are they going to have the chemistry with someone else and i think there are certainly ways to do what you're talking about we've we've certainly like had cases where you know when when Danny O'Dwyer was still in the building when he was with with GameSpot, uh, we'd bring him over for something, yeah. uh, or you know there'd be like someone over there on on the GameSpot side that might be an expert at a thing, like hey come in and and show us this, and so I, I think there are ways to do that, um, but you know it, it's I I don't feel a need to cover everything either. Uh, I think that that's just it's not really our mandate to try to be on top of every single thing that comes out. We're we're kind of approaching this is like hey we're, we're trying to do the things that we think you'll be interested in slash the things we care about ourselves uh and and not every game is going to meet that bar and, and i think that's okay uh you know they're we're, we're never going to be and it's, it's funny because you know i think right now as we're recording this they're getting ready to run and like matt Roy's going to run a world of warcraft stream but like <laughs> there are you know we, we you know pe- people would often ask like oh what's your the most recently it, it's been a different thing over the years but but lately it's been what's your esports strategy what's your strategy for, for covering esports because because they've heard it's huge and of course you're covering it if it's huge and my response has always kind of been like hey, you know we, we don't really need one um because you know like league of legends is a great example like i think we have one or two people on staff who used to play some league of legends um are we going to do a better job of like editorial, like actual editorial coverage of League of Legends? Are we going to do better than the zillion league sites and streamers and all the other people that are out there doing it? Like, do we have anything to add? If any of us were like into League, then yeah, then then maybe we could have some fun and and, and play around with it and stuff like that. But there, there doesn't always there, there isn't always a need for us to go out there and get into every single thing that's happening. And, and I don't I don't know that we always feel the need uh to to be experts at, at everything so you know we, we're, we're happy to pass on some stuff if it doesn't if it doesn't really resonate with anyone there's plenty of times you know uh you know so many games come out every week and you know we have a, a morning meeting every monday where we kind of look at stuff and go like okay what do you think about this what do you think about this there are plenty of games that we look at thinking like oh is this going to be good for a quick look or is it you know and and walk away from going like no actually you know we're, we're going to pass on this one um, we, we walk away from, from a, a pretty large number of games, you know, week in, week out, uh, that just don't seem like something we necessarily need to cover or have anything, you know, especially meaningful to say about and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there, there are a variety of reasons that we, uh, that we don't cover a game sometimes. And, and I think that's okay. You know, if, if people are, are desperate for specific coverage of that game, they probably want the facts and, and the, the actual, editorial end of of that conversation and there are plenty of outlets out there generating that sort of stuff that i, I don't necessarily feel a need to to be right there with them every step of the way just going back to like pokemon go real quick mm-hmm. it's very big 
Uh, it makes uh, two <laughs> two million dollars a day. Oh man! Uh, and then of course we talked about Fortnite, but you have not. I'm sure Fortnite's significantly bigger, but you have at at its core two free to play games. And I I can't say I've played a lot of Fortnite. Uh, I've played a lot of Pokemon Go, but both games, from my understanding, uh, not really asking you for money that much. Unlike like a Clash Royale or a WWE Supercard where they're just like, here are the deals, you know, spend the money. Right. Yeah. But like those games don't really ask for money. Of course, they'll take your money. Uh, is this the way that all games are going to go? You know, I, I think it'll make sense for more some types of games more than others. Um, and I, I think that's a that's a transition you're you're starting to see more and more of. Um, like take you know like there's no reason why there couldn't be a free to play version of Call of Duty, but it still makes enough every year just selling discs, and then on top of that, selling season passes uh, for additional maps uh, that they feel comfortable charging that same amount uh, every year. You know, the sixty dollars for the full price, and then the forty or fifty or whatever it is for or a map pack. Uh, and you have a lot of other shooters and stuff like that, that are even commercial shooters that are being sold for, for money that have said like, Hey, all our maps are going to be free, uh, so that they can, you know, keep all the players together. So it's not like, well, I own these maps. Well, I don't, well, we can't play together then. Um, and you know, get out of that sort of situation. Um, and then, you know, Fortnite, uh, the free to play thing, it's a bigger swing, right? Cause it, at some point that only works if you have enough players to, to really spend enough money to to make it work uh you know i, I think fortnite is is it, it seems it seems fair you know like you can you can go grab fortnite for zero dollars and you can put zero dollars into it and completely play it uh and there's no competitive disadvantage you would necessarily have uh by not putting any money into it so it, instead it becomes like oh it's also a very social game that people play with their friends and then you get the point where like well, I'd like to have that skin to show off to my friends how much better I am than them. <laughs> or I'm going to buy this battle pass, which becomes this weird mix of like, yes, you're paying money for cosmetics, but you still kind of have to earn the cosmetics through gameplay. It's like you're paying for the right to earn the cosmetics, uh, which then ties it to like, oh, wow, not only did you spend the money, but also you put in the work to unlock this thing. Wow, you, you're dedicated. Uh, and so it becomes a social, like a status symbol, uh, in, in some ways. And, you know, that's how team fortress two went in a lot of ways. Right. You know, in terms of just like, Hey, use the crates to pay for the keys. And then you got this cool looking gun that sells on the steam marketplace for $80 real cash or, or something insane like that. Um, and I think that makes sense for a lot of multiplayer focused games. Uh, and, and some types of single player games, but generally speaking, I think, you know, you, you could look at that and go like, oh, you know, any, any kind of multiplayer game where you're going to have players getting together and seeing each other, you're going to have and, and socialize, you're going to have that status, uh, that, that kind of status symbol sort of environment that, uh, that you could potentially try to sell some skins or some other cosmetics around. Um, but you know, like single player story based things like, you know, fitting in that as a free to play thing seems a lot harder. So I think it'll just continue. It, 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 it won't necessarily be every game, but I think you'll see a lot more games trying it. The thing now is, you know, games come out as commercial products or and I say now, but really it's been happening in different ways for a very long time. Um, I think you, you have plenty of games that start out trying to sell copies and then at some point make the transition into free to play. 
uh, because they realize like, oh, no one's buying our game anymore and it's multiplayer <laughs> focused. So if we don't get some new players in, the players who bought it won't have anything to do either. Uh, and so they try to salvage it and that that doesn't always go all that well. Uh, I guess it worked out for League of Legends just fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Well, I got one more question for you, Jeff. Yeah. It's hard. It's probably the hardest one. Okay. What's... <laughs> What's your favorite Pokemon? Coughing. Coughing? Yeah, it's always been coughing. Coughing's a good one. It's just, he's so happy. We, <laughs> we, but but not wheezing, because wheezing looks creepy. Yeah, it's an abomination. No, wheezing is unnatural. I, don't, I do not approve of wheezing, but coughing just looks like a fun little underwater landmine, smoke, just happy-faced little dude floating around. Yeah, it's, it's always been coughing. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, if you want to promote yourself where people can find you, uh, obviously giantbomb.com, but feel free to let people know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere just as at, at Jeff Gertzman is usually a pretty safe bet on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm on Tumblr at Jeff.Zone. Uh, but yeah, giantbomb.com. Uh, go look in iTunes or any other podcast directory for the Giant Bomb cast and you'll find us there. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Manchomp, 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 Vapor Man, Vapor Man, Vapor Man. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Scootaloo, Scootaloo. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Dude, 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 Vapor Man, Vapor Man, Vapor Man. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Womper, Womper, Womper. And we are back from our break. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview. I have, I think, two more interviews I'm trying to get planned before the end of the year. So, oh, dang. Can I get in on some of these interviews? I like talking to people. All right. Why don't you just do the interview? Well, set them up. I'll do it. I'll put my feet up. I like asking lots of questions, too, but I ask those real personal, private (laughs) questions that people don't want to answer. (laughs) Who was your first crush, Steve? Who was your first crush? Oh, man, I can't even remember that. When 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 does a little boy start liking girls? Like fourth grade, fifth Uh, grade? Well, in my case, never, but I know my (laughs) first crush was when I was like 12 years old. It was Matt Nazolio. Jeez, just name dropping too, blasting Matt over um, here. He he passed away, so <laughs> it's not like he's gonna hear it. That went from super sweet to super dark in yeah, the space of thirty seconds. That was like a that was like a good bit you were starting, and then it was real downhill. Mm, uh, give us our Pokemon of the week, Will. Are you sure? Are you sure you can handle it? Because you've been having a real hard time with these lately. You know, most of the time, I'm not gonna lie. Most of the time, you read Pokemon of the week. I'm like preparing notes for the end of the show, and so I'm only hearing quips. Ooh. I'm focused. I'm focused. All right. Okay. Focus in. That's a Simpsons reference. It seems these days that if you want a food-based Pokemon, that Pokemon can only be based on a dessert. A dessert that floats in the air to stay clean and sanitary and has a little face on it. In Kalos, it is possible to buy a t-shirt with this Pokemon on it. 
possibly because you can find hordes of them in Frost Cavern. In the game, Tierno is wearing one of these t-shirts. This Pokemon has the hidden ability Weak Armor, which decreases its defense and increases its speed any time it is hit with a physical move. In the Pokemon manga, this Pokemon has been shown without its natural covering. When it is exposed in this manner, it can be very embarrassed. Strangely enough, this Pokemon is created partially from rays of the morning sun, although it can still be found from eggs. All right, tell me, who is this week's Pokemon? This one's real easy. Really? You, you dropped the ball. How did I drop the ball? Some ball. Some would say that this is the fresh snow Pokemon that is Vanillite. Dag nabbit, you honed right in on it. It's I was the, almost making it vanillish, but I didn't. The shirt. The tur, tur, Torino's shirt. Tiesto Torino's Pizza Pockets. His uh wow. his his uh shirt gives it away. What's his name? That Tor- was Torino? Tierno. That was supposed to throw you off because you're supposed to think Kalos and then desert Pokemon and be like Swirlix. No, 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 no. Or no, no, Slurpuff. No. Nah. That, I, I see how that would throw me off, but maybe our listeners got thrown off. Also, Swirlix doesn't float. Yeah, it does. Nah, if you play Detective Pikachu, Slurpuff's feet are on the ground. <sighs> hmm. Because well, Slurpuff is way holding, too much attention. Holding the uh, like the little lemonade and stuff. I thought the Swirlixes flew around with their tongues hanging out. Uh, I thought they bounced. No, they, they float. Mm. Uh, I got some trivia here. According to Game Freak, Vanillite and its evolutionary le- relatives were created by James Turner. We've talked about James Turner before. Uh, was the first Western person to officially design Pokemon. Every time James Turner comes up, we read the list of Pokemon that he's done. So here we go again. <laughs> Shadow Lugia, Vanillite, Vanillish, Vanillux, Golut, Golurk, Vullaby. It's supposed to be Lullaby. Mandibuzz. Yeah, like bone Sly is supposed to be Bone Sly. Like is it? A bonsai. Yeah. Like is a bonsai. Not, is it not bons, Bonsly? Bonsly. Bonsly. No. No, Bonsly. Zach, ye- Zach yelled at me. So Hold on. that's what it's got to be. I got, I mean, I can get the, I can get the Pokedex app if you want. Take, take it out. Take it out. We got to know. Is it Bonsly or Bonsly? All right. Let me finish the list here and then I'll grab the Pokedex app. We got uh, Phantom Trevident, arguably two of the best Pokemon. Uh, Brux-ish, or Brushix. Brux-ish is what I think Brux-ish. it is. Brux-ish, because the Bruxing is a kind of a scraping noise that it makes with its teeth. Uh, Buzzwool, Guzzlord, Hoiple, Nagandadel. He, he's got a real uh, penchant for Pokemon with the letter U in their names. <laughs> Let me grab that app. All right, we're doing. So you said bonsai, bonsai, like bonsai tree, but it's it's like sly, also like it's sneaking on you. And I said bonsly. Yes. All right, here we go. Or bonesly. Bonsly. Oh, there you go. I don't know if that came through for podcast, but bon bonsly. There you go. Play it one more time, just just closer to the microphone. I don't know if I can get closer. Whoop, wrong one. (laughs) 
Bonsley's name is actually Baldor. <laughs> All right, here we go. Bonsly. Bons, Bonsly, Bonsly. Bon, bon, like Bon Bon. Yeah, like Bonsai. Uh, Vanillite shares its category with Glaceon. Both are known as the fresh snow Pokemon. That's fresh. Vanillite resembles a Castelia cone. Castelia City. Oh, my fault. Vanillite is the lightest ice type Pokemon, and Vanillite has the lowest base HP of all ice Pokemon. But the highest number of calories per pint. Oh. And its shiny is pink instead of uh, blue. That's real cute. It's a good shiny. What is Vanillux's shiny? Uh, I think it's also the, the pink. Nope, it's just a disappointing blue color. Are you serious? Yeah, it's just a, it's, well, it's like a blue, it, there's more purple in the blue, but it's not a strong purple. Oh, yeah, it's, that's hardly noticeable at all. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? Better. That's true. That's true. Vanillax is always the uh, Pokemon that people try to point to of being like, Pokemon lost all its creativity. Look at this ice cream cone. And then the entire time I'm internally screaming of, look at Voltorb or look at Grimer. One is literally a circle with two colors. One is just a pile of sludge. Yep. I had mango ice cream tonight. That's what kind of put this on my mind. Mango Ooh. ice cream was delicious. I think I want some ice cream. Get some mango ice cream if you can. Mm, I'm not leaving the house. I don't know what ice cream we have. Uh, oh, oh. Wait, you can't get ice cream delivered? No, not in Milwaukee. What do you think I live in this uh, futuristic city that is Washington, D.C.? Don't you have GoPuff? Nope, we don't have GoPuff. We have Grubhub, but they only deliver from like six restaurants in the area. And one is Buffalo Wild Wings. Nice, but Grubhub does not deliver ice cream. No. Nah. What about Uber Eats? Uh, Uber Eats only does McDonald's, from my understanding, in the area right now. What? You? We've got to move, bud. I know. Tell We've me about it. We've got to move. Uh, speaking of moving, uh, some Pokemon Go news that we didn't cover. Real quick, uh, there are three new shinies in the game. Uh, Sunkern, Natu, and I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank. Pineco are the three new shinies in Pokemon Go for the Johto event that did start. There are Johto Pokemon spawning more frequently. Um, so, I noticed that. So tap on your Pokemon. If you're looking for shiny not to, not to check its dongle on the top of its head. It's orange instead of red. Uh, Pineco is like gold. Sunkern is uh, like a darker yellow. It's really disappointing. So uh, check those. While you're playing your Pokemon Go experience, there should be more Snubbles and Hound Hours uh, in the area as well. Those got introduced shiny. Actually, speaking of Hound Hour, I need to know how to say it. Uh, those should be more frequently spawning. They they were changed to be shiny, I think, like two weeks ago. So now you should be able to find them a little bit more easy. Hondor. Hondor. Oh, I was right. Hound Hour. Because I think Dower is like... Sad. Yeah. Like it, we're kind of like sad and angry at the same time. It's my 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 typical way of being dour. <laughs> dour, yeah, very dour. Uh, I think that's that's the episode for you guys. If if anything intense breaks out at Worlds, you'll have to wait a week to hear it. Since I won't get home until uh, Tuesday morning from my trip. If you are at Worlds, hopefully hopefully you said hi. 
I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get home on Tuesday. I'm going to get a bunch of tweets being like, I didn't get to see you this weekend. I make it very easy to find me. You literally just have to tweet at me and then I head to your destination. That's that. This is true. This is how it works. I, I'm the same way. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I meet a bunch of people and, and we have a good weekend overall. But uh, I think that'll wrap up our episode. If you want to uh, follow on Twitter, you're more than welcome to at Pokemon Podcast on Twitter to stay up to date with the podcast and to get notified when we go live on Twitch. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you're more than welcome to uh, at Dragging a Lake if you want to hear me stressing out about my wedding. I'm actually not stressed out at all. I think everything's going pretty smooth. Uh, oh, you haven't been to the bachelor party yet. That's when it all starts going bad. That's when it falls apart. Will is at washing the sink on Twitter. If you want to hear about me planning Steve's bachelor party, <laughs> follow me up on Twitter at washing the sink. And uh, we'll be back next week. So uh, this has been another episode of the Pokemon podcast. And we are super effective ice cream cones. no other person to say something funny so rip there you go bye a quick shout out to our producers of this show which include robert kevin mason and cygnus thank you all for listening 